0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Rittman Grace podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, good morning, Rittman Grace Brother Church. How are you folks doing today? Beautiful fall weather day, can't, can't get much better than that. Love seeing those uh, changing colors of the leaves, it's just so, so beautiful. Well, my name is Clark, and I'm the pastor here. If we haven't met before, love to meet you after service, so feel free to stick around, don't take off too quick. Love just to chat with you, even if we have met, love just to catch up with you and see what's been going on in your world, see how you enjoy raking those leaves, So or whatever you want to talk about. We can talk about whatever, we don't have to talk about raking leaves. Well, I'm excited. We're going to continue in a brand new series. We actually started it last week on the Lord's Prayer. And so, as you can imagine, we're going to keep talking about the Lord's Prayer uh, this week. Last week, we talked about that line, that, uh, the address, the opening of the Lord's Prayer, which says, Our Father, who art in heaven. So if you missed that, then I would, uh, as I always say, encourage you to go to our website, www.ritmentgrace.org, and you can access that message along with any of our past week messages, and uh, we would love to serve you in that way. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at the next line of the Lord's Prayer, which says, Hallowed be thy name. So we're going to talk about what it means to actually hallow something today. So that's going to be fun. Last week as I introduced this brand new series, uh, I mentioned that prayer is kind of a really complicated reality. Prayer, it's hard to get our heads around this idea of prayer. I don't know anybody who I've met that has been following Jesus for any length of time that is just like, you know what, I think I've got this prayer thing pretty much down. (laughs) I've never met anybody who has figured, completely figured out prayer. Um, I don't know if anybody's in that boat. And if so, you could feel free to come up and preach this morning if you want to. Uh, but I don't think anybody feels that sort of confidence, I guess is what I want to say. They don't feel that confidence often about prayer. I know my personal experience with prayer, the way it tends to, to work, is that I oftentimes find myself swinging from one end of the pendulum to the other. And here's what I mean by that. There's, there's seasons that I'll find myself... Uh, in life where it's difficult to cultivate a life of prayer. Uh, maybe you can identify with that. Uh, there's some seasons in life where uh, God just seems to be far off. He seems to be distant, uh, and my heart can grow cynical in those seasons. And then there's this other side of the pendulum where you're not necessarily a feel like a master of prayer by any stretch of the imagination, but there's an eagerness to pray. There's this eagerness to pray, uh, to seek after the Lord, and see how He is going to respond. And it's actually kind of fun sometimes uh, to see how God will answer those prayers uh, for your family, for your church, for your community. But prayer is a really complicated reality. In fact, I would go as far as to say is that one of the most compelling things about prayer, um, or, or as a human being, is the capacity that, within us to communicate with our Creator. And just think about that for a moment. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis, you see this capacity for humans to communicate with their Creator. God has communicated to His people through His creation, through His Word, through His Son, and through His Spirit. And human beings have the opportunity to communicate back to God through worship and through prayer. So we have the capacity to communicate with our Creator, which is another reason to say that what we're talking about this morning really matters. It really matters. What Jesus has to say to us in the Lord's Prayer matters. It matters, and that's one of the reasons why I'm excited to keep learning with you as Jesus teaches us how to pray. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have the words up on the screen for you. Uh, But in Matthew chapter 6, I don't know if I mentioned this in the weeks past, but in Matthew 6, Jesus is instructing his disciples here on the Sermon on the Mount. But he's also instructing us this morning. And I don't want you to miss that. He's also instructing us. And here's what he's saying to us this morning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says to us, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. This morning I want to look at those four words together, hallowed be your name. And I want to ask three questions. I want to ask what, I want to ask why, and I want to ask how. What is this prayer? Why are we to pray this prayer And then thirdly, I want to look at answering the question, how do we become the type of people who pray this prayer? What is prayer? Why do we pray this prayer? How do we become the type of people who pray this prayer? So let's start with that first question. What is this prayer? When you think about that word hallowed, right, that's an interesting word, (laughs) is it not? It's not a word that we see too often in our English vocabulary. You don't really have a place for it. You, don't, you probably won't use that word this week. But if you look at it long enough, you'll discover that it is actually the root of a word of a very popular holiday that's coming up soon. Can anybody guess what that is? Halloween. Which begs the question, what is the connection there? Because I don't see how our practice of Halloween really connects to the things of God. Now, to actually understand what's going on there, you have to actually look at the church calendar. This might be surprising to some of you, but October 31st, believe it or not, it is actually the eve of November 1st, right? But for those of you who are in tune with the church calendar, you know that November 1st is All Saints Day. And in church history, uh, that day was a Christian festival which was oftentimes used to celebrate the saints, those who were known and those who were unknown. And so the calendar has some days that are set apart uh, for the saints, St. Patrick's Day being one of them, but also they just wanted to have a day where they could celebrate other saints, and that was All Saints Day. Saints were known as the Hallowed Ones. The Holy Ones. So October 31st was All Saints' Day Eve, or more commonly known as All Hallows' Eve. And so, because language is funny and things change over time, it inevitably became known as what we call Halloween. So, what, is, what does Hallow mean? What does it mean to Hallow something? It means that something is to be made holy, sacred, honored. Glorious, According to Jesus, as he is instructing his disciples to pray, after he addresses God as our Father in heaven, the first thing that he tells his disciples is to pray for God's name to be hallowed. For it to be made holy, esteemed, revered, admired, treasured, worshipped, glorified. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name above all other names. And take note as well that these four words are not just words of praise. They're actually the very first petition of the prayer. Jesus is not merely saying in this prayer that God's name is hallowed, although it is. What he is asking God is to make his name hallowed. So by petitioning God, by asking God to hallow his name, we're asking that God act in such a way that he visibly demonstrates his holiness and his glory to the world. I love the way Dr. Al Mohler puts it in his book, The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down, which is a really awesome name for a book. But here's what he says. By asking that the name of God be hallowed, Jesus is asking God to so move and act in the world that people value his glory, esteem his holiness, and treasure his character above all else. We must not miss this. Jesus' first request is not that his personal needs be met, but that God's glory and holiness be known and loved as it deserves. What a remarkable God-centered prayer. So let me ask you this morning. Is your chief concern in prayer your good or God's glory? Is your chief concern in prayer your good or God's Glory. I think so much of our prayers, if we're really being honest, are either thank you or help me prayers. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. I do it all the time. These are God-honoring prayers. Prayers of gratitude, prayers of dependence. These prayers honor the Lord. But I want what I want you to see this morning is that as you mature and as you grow as a disciple of Jesus, and as you follow him, as Jesus will allow us to, as, as we allow Jesus to instruct us to pray, what we'll find is that your eyes quickly begin to move off of yourself, and your chief concern becomes the glory of God and the hallowing of his name. That's what this prayer is all about. So let's move from the what now, and let's answer that next question: why? why are we to pray this prayer not just what is this prayer but why are we why are we meant to pray this prayer simply put we were made to make much of something we were made to make much of something the reality is you are going to hallow something or someone that's the one common denominator that each and every one of us in this room this morning shares. We are going to hallow either something or someone because it's part of who you are as a human being. One of the biggest mistakes that we make when we gather in a room on Sunday is to think that we're coming here for the purpose of worship. But the truth is, you actually come here as a worshiper. You've been worshiping all morning. You've been worshiping all week. You've been worshiping your entire life. In other words, your life is lived for something. You give in your life value and worth and significance to something or to someone. You're going to hallow some name because it's hardwired into you. You can't help it. And it's, it's very true. If you just think about the culture that we live in, it's, it's the air that we breathe. There's some names in our cultures they have more significance than others. If you just think, for example, Oprah, Bono, LeBron, right? These names, in some ways, they're set-apart names. Just imagine how, how crazy this would be if you, if you came here in a couple of weeks, and we had a baby dedication, and we were dedicating a child named Oprah Imagine if that happened. You would think to yourself, man, how dare this person? They can't take that name as their child. right?" Or LeBron, baby dedication for a baby named LeBron. It's just like you can't touch those names. They're set apart. Some names have incredible worth in our culture. Here's the top three brand values. Names that have attached to them incredible value. Here's the top three. The the third one is Microsoft. That name has $162 billion in brand value. How about this name? Here's the, the second top one Google. That name has $207 billion in brand value. Can anybody guess what the first one is? Apple. Apple, that name has $241 billion and brand value. So some names in our culture they have inherent worth to them, do they not? And just think about it, as you think about your daily life there are names attached to things when you hear people talking favorably about them you're excited to to jump in and be part of the conversation and when people start to talk bad about those names right especially sports teams you like You want to enter in as quickly as you can, and you want to tell them why they're ignorant and why they have no idea what they're talking about. Think about the name of your favorite restaurant, (laughs) The Depot, Dravenstadt's, The Barn. These things, when people talk favorably or poorly about them, they'll, they'll get you a little bit irritated. How about your favorite band? Gaither Vocal Band, Cliff Borrows, Stephen Curtis Chapman, for King and Country. Maybe that name is hallowed in your mind. One thing is true. If we actually stop and think about it, there's actually one name that all of us are tempted to hallow more than any other name. There's one name that we are vulnerable to passionately defend as soon as somebody starts talking poorly about it. There's one name that we are tempted to hold up. What's that name? Can you guess? It's your name. It's my name. We're actually tempted and vulnerable to want to hallow our own name. You see, in our cultural moment, With the emphasis on self-esteem, self-worth, individualism, on autonomy, we are practically told that we will find ultimate value if we hallow our own name, if we make a name for ourselves. And if you think about it, it almost begs the question, It almost begs the question, how much of your prayer life is actually oriented around the hallowing of your own name? Because left to ourselves, any praying that we did would always start and end with me. Our natural self-centeredness, my natural self-centeredness, knows no limit. We are vulnerable to the tyranny of the self. Left to ourselves, this is what the Lord's prayer would probably sound like. My Father in heaven, hallowed be my name. My kingdom come. Give me more fame and fortune and prestige and power. Let me be the ruler of my life each and every hour. Hallowed be my name. My will be done. My perfect family. The next promotion and on and on and on. You see, at its best, the hallowing, Of our name will leave us feeling empty and hollow. That's at its best because praying hallowed be your name God is the cry of those who want to rebel against the tyranny of self and to be set free for true joy and true satisfaction and true freedom because we need a name that is worth hallowing. We need a name that is worthy and a name God's name is that name. God's name is the name that is set apart from all other names. From the beginning of time until the end of time, God's name knows no limits. It knows no boundaries. It's holy. It's set apart. Listen to what Dallas Willard has to say about this prayer. He says, This request is based upon the deepest need of the human world. Human life is not about human life. Nothing will go right in it until the greatness and goodness of its creator and sustainer is adequately grasped. His very name is then held in the highest regard. Until that is so, the human compass will always be pointing in the wrong direction, and individual lives as well as history as a whole whole, will suffer from the constant and fluctuating disorientation. So why do we pray this prayer? Because it satisfies the deepest need of the human experience. We are all going to hallow something or someone to be set free from the tyranny of self. That's why we pray this prayer. We also pray this prayer because it rightly orients us around the glory and the greatness of God. And not only that, we pray this prayer as the first petition because it serves as the key that unlocks The meaning of the entire prayer to follow. The petition, hallowed be thy name, is the main point of the Lord's prayer. All the other petitions are meant to serve this one. And when you start to see that, there's going to be this incredible depth and meaning to this prayer. Let me explain what I mean. His kingdom comes for the sake of his name. His will is done for the sake of His name. Human life is sustained through the daily provision of bread for the sake of His name. Sins are forgiven for the sake of His name. Temptation is avoided for the sake of His name. It's always been for His kingdom, for His power, for His glory. And to the degree that we can grasp this is the degree that we find Our vision of God and prayer is expanded to new heights. Why do we pray this, hallowed be your name? It's because we were made for it. We were created for it. We were made to pray this prayer. It's what we've always existed for. So now, having answered the what and the why questions, let's now ask, how? How does this actually show up? How do we become the type of people who pray this prayer? Well, I think there's actually two ways that we become the type of people who praise this prayer. And there's really, it's two sides to the same coin. And I want to show you by turning our attention to Psalm 8, which we heard read a little bit earlier by Dan. So if you want to flip over to Psalm 8 in your Bibles, again, we'll have the words up on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. But here's the first side of the coin that we see here. If you want to be the type of person who prays like this, hallowed be your name, you need to be aware of how awesome your Father in heaven truly is. And I think Psalm 8 does a really great job of showing us that. We see a lot of admiration here in Psalm 8. Uh, David says this, Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of his children and infants, You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. See how awesome your father is here. In verse 3, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, your heavenly father, it says here, your heavenly father, he literally hung the moon. Think about that. How awesome is your Father? Notice what he says in verse 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. See, when you consider all the amazing things that your Heavenly Father has accomplished simply just in creation, let alone redemption of a people, we're just taken back by how amazing our Father is. But he's not just amazing for the work that he's done out there. He's amazing because of the attention that he gives his children. Your heavenly father, the Bible says, your heavenly father knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought that you've ever had. He knows every desire that exists in your soul because your heavenly father cares for you. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Your Heavenly Father cares for you. Your Heavenly Father has always been present. He's always been there. And He has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He's always been mindful of who you are. How awesome is your Heavenly Father? Now, notice what He says in verse 5 now. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with the glory and honor. That verse seems to, to me at least, point ahead to the parable of the prodigal son, Luke 15. Just to paraphrase, you had this son in this season of rebellion who wanted to leave his dad. He wanted to make a name for himself, in other words. He wanted to go and experience things on his own. And so the Bible says that he took off. And then it went well for a moment, and then things just started to fall apart. And then the Bible says that he returns to the Father. And in that return to the Father, he almost just assumes, I'm just going to enter back into my father's home as a slave. Because he, he, his, he thinks to himself, even the slaves back home have it better than I do apart from him. So then the Bible says he comes back, and there's almost like this kind of this turn that takes place. Saying, I don't want to live for the glory of my own Name anymore. I don't want to live for my own glory. I want to live for yours. I don't want to hallow my name anymore. I want to hallow your name. I don't want to exist to create my own value. I want to submit myself to your value, your worth, and to trust that that's good for me. And what you see is all this Honor is going back to the father in the story of the prodigal son. What does the father do to the son who is coming back to him, so humble? He says, get him sandals for his feet. Get him a ring on his finger. Put a robe on him. You're not coming back as a slave. You're coming back as a son. And I'm going to give you my name. Don't you see that when we come in repentance to the father and we honor Him, and we glorify Him, and want to lift Him up, what does He do in return? He honors you. You don't see that anywhere else in the world. If you just think about your workplace, what keeps you from wanting to honor people in your workplace? What keeps us from doing that is thinking that we're not going to be honored in the end. But by the grace and the mercy of God, when you honor Him, when you... Hallow His name. He honors you and grounds you with glory. How awesome is your Heavenly Father. So one of the ways that we become the type of people who pray this prayer for God to hallow His name is to become captivated by how great He is. But we also need to grieve the reality that a lot of the world... A lot of the world out there does not see God that way. Again, listen to Dallas Willard. He says, So when we hear, Hallowed be your name, we want to remember that it is the prayer of an adoring child who's somewhat jealous for his parents. And we want to let ourselves sense its longing that Abba, Daddy, who is in this case, really is the greatest, should be recognized as such. We want to dwell on this meditatively and perhaps weep for the sadness that God is not so understood. And he continues on. He says, we want to enter into the alarm of the little child who stumbles across those who do not think its father and mother is the greatest or best. We must transfer that alarm to the lack of admiration and confidence that the human world has for our Father in heaven. So Ritman Grace. What I want you to see this morning is that when you grasp the greatness of your Heavenly Father and at the same time grieve the way that the world seems so indifferent to it or oftentimes even working to undermine it, it is then that we will become the type of people who will want to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So let's pray that together. Well, Father, we come to you this morning, and we ask that that your name would be hallowed, that your name would be glorified, that your name would be holy, and, and we ask that that would show up in a very visible way. Lord, we live in a world that is broken, a world that is dark, a world that is hurting, a world that is full of sin and we know that you sent your son to mend that brokenness and to to mend the pain that this world is is feeling lord we ask that you would that you would hallow your name the name that is above all names the name to which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is lord father we ask that you your name would be hallowed today in jesus name we pray amen Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.